If you could ask God for anything right now, what would it be? Or if you could ask God to help someone right now, who would you be praying for? I imagine you'd be pretty comfortable asking God to help a loved one, your spouse, a child, perhaps an aging parent or a friend in need. But what about yourself? I think sometimes we find it easier to ask God on behalf of others than to take our own needs to God in prayer. In today's episode of Rags of Light, we'll encounter a woman of strength and great courage who dared to pray for healing, even though she said, I'm afraid to ask. I'm Mark Giuliano, and you're listening to Rags of Light, where ordinary people's extraordinary stories help light the way. Shoulder to shoulder, I know we'll find a way. Shoulder to shoulder, we'll build a better day. And I don't know about tomorrow, and I don't know about today. But in the deep of the darkest night, oh Lord, I know you'll light, I know you'll light the way. When I stepped to the door, Her room was heavy with darkness. Deep shadows lurked everywhere, behind the chair, under her bed, in the corners where the floor met the wall and where the wall met the ceiling. The frosty November evening just beyond her window pressed in with a weighty gloom. Overcast skies soaked by a palette of pale pewter gray and patches of dull amber-yellow offered little comfort. The night was close. I'd come to the hospital after visiting hours, squeaking conspicuously in my snow-soaked, rubber-soled hiking boots down long, quiet hallways, past numerous open doors where rested the sick and the recovering and the anxiously waiting. Normally, I wouldn't come so late, I'd be much happier at home on the couch, tucked under a cozy blanket and warmed by the bright colors of a television screen, a glass of red wine in my hand. But Grace, her real name, an appellation befitting her gentle character, had received devastating news earlier in the day and had called and asked me to come as soon as I was able. Wrapping lightly on the metal doorframe of her room, I carefully signaled to Grace that I had arrived. She was still awake. I hadn't disturbed her. She was just lying there in bed thinking, she assured me. I'd known Grace for many years. She was as solid a woman of faith as they come. She'd been active in leadership, quietly serving her God, her church, and caring for a sick adult daughter, her only child, before her daughter had died. In her early 70s now, Grace found herself raising an eight-year-old grandson, Evan, alone. She was a person of great love and great strength. But this night in the hospital, her body looked frail, tired, 
Hi, Grace, I whispered as gently as I could. Hi, Mark, she whispered right back with the tone of someone who is genuinely glad to see me, and I knew she was, and that made me feel great. Grace sat herself up in bed, straightened her blanket, and then patted a place beside her, inviting me to sit close to her. I shed my bulky winter coat, dropped it on the chair with my scarf and gloves, and I sat down beside her. How are Beth and the kids? she inquired, still whispering so as not to disturb the person sleeping beyond the curtain in the bed next to her. Please tell them how sorry I am to bring you out at this late hour. Really, Mark, you should have waited until tomorrow to come to see me. You should be home with them right now. Such was Grace. Grace amazed me. Always more concerned about others than herself. It's one of the things I loved about her the most. And it's why I wanted to be there that night. Not because it was my job. Not because I had to be there. But because I wanted to be there. I wanted to be there for her the way she had been there for me and for my family and for so many others throughout the years. It's liver cancer, she said disappointedly, but without beating around the bush. They confirmed it this morning. Late stage. Not much they can do. It almost sounded like Grace was beating herself up, somehow blaming herself for having cancer or for not having noticed her ill health sooner or having paid attention to it. Sometimes these things can come on fast, Grace, I assured her, unconsciously attempting to absolve her guilt, or at least ease it a little bit. Grace quickly steered the conversation to more practical matters. She spoke of her plans for the weeks and hopefully months ahead. No, she wasn't going to do chemo. That might only add a few more weeks, a month or two at best, the doctors had told her. She didn't want to squander any of her remaining time running to the hospital for treatments, blood tests and checkups, and all the while feeling more miserable with each passing day. She'd already experienced some sort of hemorrhage that landed her in the hospital. No. Instead, when she got the okay, she'd go home, figure out how to tell Evan, and then figure out what to do with him after she was gone. Evan was her biggest concern. He had no grandfather, no immediate aunts or uncles to step in where she would leave off. She had no idea who his father was either. Where would Evan go? Who would raise him now that his mother was gone? And soon, his grandmother would be too. Would he go to live with his favorite second cousin? Or more likely, his godparents, the parents of his very best friend, Mike. They were already like brothers. Grace told me that she had no regrets, though. She'd lived a good life and knew that there would be peace in the end. I know where I'm going, she said. Now it was her who was assuring me. Everything will be fine for me, she said. 
Grace asked if we could pray. I was surprised, though, that when I asked her what we should include in our prayer that evening, of all the things she listed, she never mentioned healing. In fact, she had asked for prayers for everyone but herself. Grace, I pushed a little, would it be okay if we asked God to bless you with healing tonight? Now, I have a pretty good idea what the prognosis looks like when the oncologist says late stage or fourth stage and cancer in the same sentence. But all prognoses aside, I've also seen a handful of miracles in my life. Many times I've seen deep spiritual healing as people journey with cancer and other illnesses, even when there is no cure. And I've witnessed the physical eradication of illness, too, although far less often. Even when it was inexplicable, without getting bogged down in extensive debate about divine intervention or theological conundrums, when miracles happen, I'm all too willing simply to receive them and then say thank you to God. Oh, I don't know, Mark. You don't need to ask God for that. You can ask God to stop the hemorrhage tonight, but not the cancer. Grace's reluctance to ask God for her own healing was odd to me. She was a woman of faith. She prayed often. Her hesitation seemed more than simple selflessness to me. And why ask God to stop the bleeding? but not the thing causing it, the cancer. Where would the harm be in asking God for healing? It's what you want, isn't it? I pressed a little further, sensing that something important was hiding in the shadow cast by the bright light of Grace's altruistic care for others. Grace sat up in her bed, but then she remained still, her eyes drifted to somewhere far off, as if she was searching for something, chasing down an elusive truth that slipped from her grasp every time she got close. Like the tricky minnow, we kettle into shallow pools of water, but darts away between our fingers before we can catch it. In the stillness of her thoughts, Grace let that truth swim toward her. Finally, she breathed a heavy sigh. She was ready to name a truth no longer too deep for her words, something she had known for a long time but had never dared to name aloud. Her eyes glistened in the darkness of her dimly lit room. A sparkling rivulet from a single leak tear trickled down her cheek. So small, she didn't even bother to wipe it away. Mark, I'm afraid to ask, she confessed. You're afraid to ask God for help? I tried to understand. But why? I'm afraid to ask God to heal me, because if God doesn't heal me, I'll be disappointed. She took a deep breath as if to muster the courage to complete the thought and I don't want to be disappointed in God. 
It was as if she had already made up her mind that God wouldn't or couldn't heal her, or at the very least didn't have plans to heal her. Asking and not receiving would be too great of a blow to her faith, and at a time when she needed her faith the most. For a brief moment, I imagined that gracious teenager from Kansas, Dorothy, standing before the great and powerful Wizard of Oz and announcing with defeatist humility, Oh, I don't think there's anything in that black bag for me. Didn't God have something up a sleeve? Or in a black bag for grace? I reached along the bed for her hand and was surprised to find it clenched in a fist of shame. Grace had admitted to me, her pastor, and more profoundly to herself, that she'd been protecting God and protecting herself. God from God's refusal or worse, inability to act, and herself from disappointment in the one she had worshipped since she was a child. Grace, I offered genuinely. I don't think I have heard more honest and courageous words spoken. After all, how many of us can truthfully say that we've never held back from asking God for something because we were afraid that we already knew the answer or because we wanted it so badly? Asking and not getting would break our faith. We rested in the fullness of grace's truth for quite a few moments trying to absorb it, the way we might wait in our seats at the end of a play, trying to take it all in before the usher comes in and shoes us out of the theater and the experience evaporates before us. In that moment, I wondered, how many times in my own life had I been afraid to ask God for the very thing I most desperately wanted, healing, healing for my body, healing in my relationships at home, healing for the conflicts at work, or healing in those times when my spirit felt broken. How many times had I let my fear dissuade me from asking in earnest because I doubted that God loved me enough to heal me? Or because I was afraid the answer would be just too disappointing. Oh, I don't think there's anything in that black bag for me. How many times have I felt that way about God? How many times had I acted that way? I imagine others have too. It's been more than 20 years since that night that I was summoned to the shadowy room where Grace was waiting. There have been many times along my journey that I've let her honesty and courage and authenticity guide me on my path. I work hard at not being afraid to ask God, to let God be God and me be me, to discern what I really want and need from God and not to be afraid of the answer. I've learned that God is pretty good at blessing me with comfort and hope, even when the answer is no.
Grace and I sat quietly for a long moment on her bed by the window, the full darkness of the wintry night having now overtaken the dull gloom of the pale pewter and amber-yellow skies outside. Grace was the first to speak. Mark, why don't we go ahead and ask God for a miracle, she conceded but mostly, I think, because she thought it might make me feel better if we did. Such was the selflessness of grace. Amazing grace. If God heals me, she said, then we'll all shout hallelujah. And if God doesn't, then maybe we could also ask God to heal our disappointment. And so we prayed, and God did, just as we had asked. Thank you, Grace. Hey everybody, Mark Giuliano here. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Rags of Light. If you did, please subscribe to our podcast, share it with a friend or family member, or someone who might need just a little inspiration today. Rags of Light, where ordinary people's extraordinary stories help light the way. Shoulder to shoulder, I know we'll find a way. Shoulder to shoulder, we'll build a better day. And I don't know about tomorrow. Don't know about today, but in the deep of the darkest night, oh Lord, I know your light.